As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we're talking about your resurgent winners of, uh, I guess, 9 out of 11, not 9 out of 10 anymore. Toronto Blue Jays sitting pretty in the wild card race right now. Just coming off, splitting a series with the St. Louis Cardinals when we are recording. We, of course, being me, Drew Fairservice, your host of Spin Rate, which we do twice a week. Once a week with Caitlin McGrath, who covers the team for the Athletic. Once a week with Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays starter and all-star, who joins me today from beautiful downtown Mississauga. Beautiful downtown Port Credit. Excuse me. Ricky, how's it going? <laughs> Doing great, man. Um, what a what a turn of events, right? We go from everyone wanted uh, wanting to, uh, I don't know, like just talk crap on the Jays and all of a sudden we're back on the horse again and uh it looks like they've uh, found themselves offensively they're pitching well and it's good to see the last week has been good for what ails you if you are the Toronto Blue Jays first you got a already struggling and then depleted Kansas City Royals club then you go into Boston where the Boston Red Sox we're absolutely handing out wins. Would you like a win? Would you like an extra base hit? Would you like to reach on an error? The Red Sox just looking really, really rough, depleted by injuries they were as well. But it doesn't matter. All those wins count. The Blue Jays need to win games, and they won. If, you, if you're if damned if you do, they say, well, you got to beat these bad teams. But then when you beat bad teams or teams that are struggling, you're like, well, you haven't beaten anybody. Like, come on. <laughs> it's brutal. And then the St. Louis Cardinals come into town and they got handed a big old helping of Blue Jays offense. Blue Jays scored 10 runs Tuesday night. And then last night, Wednesday night, turned back the clock night at the Rogers Center uh, where the Blue Jays fell to the St. Louis Cardinals. But splitting a series against a pretty good Cardinals team, one that's missing its two best players. But because they're the Cardinals, they are able to grow extremely good players out of like a cornfield and then just plop them in all over the place. Man, that it's the, the Cardinals are 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 a lot of things, but they are just so good at player development and like bringing these guys out of nowhere. Yeah. And and what's his name? Dylan, Dylan Carlson was that his name? Yeah. Uh, but the, oh man, they're just they got such good young players. That, that's you see now why that they're a team that people think can acquire Juan Soto because there's so many of those guys that can step in and play every day. Uh, and and be a real difference maker, but uh, so a good team. But you know, again, the Blue Jays put dropped ten on them, and then obviously couldn't couldn't quite solve Adam Wainwright on Wednesday night. I know. Let's start with Wainwright and the, and that outing because I saw you kind of carrying the flag for for crafty pitchers, for guys who were able <laughs> to throw, you know, to really hit their spots, to to mix and match, and to to really get hitters off balance. Even though he doesn't throw 100 miles an hour, uh, a great outing from Wainwright, who is. Uh, uh, you know, one of the one of the greats, one of the best pitchers, uh, you know, the pitchers of his generation at this point. Yeah. And the reason why I tweeted why I tweeted it's not necessarily a knock on velocity because velocity is good. Right. I mean, we live in a time where if you're throwing 100, 101. Cool. You know, but you have to be able to locate. And mm-hmm. we're looking at a guy like Jordan Hicks, who a few years ago was nearly unhittable. And right now he's throwing 102 and hitting the backstop. What good does that really do? 
you know, in a mm-hmm. game? Is it a, is he a guy that can be reliable? Of course not. And then you watch Wainwright and the way he attack hitters. And man, it looks like that curveball has just never left him. It's always just been there for him. And he had uh, the Jays hitters pretty baffled. He'd throw that like little slider down and away. And then he'd, he'd flip that. Uh, I, I like to say this. He's got the best Twitter handle in the game or one of the best in Uncle Charlie mm-hmm. or something like that. And uh, yeah, he just went out there and pitched, man. And and I think that's that's what it comes down to when you go out there and and pitch and you locate your fastball and then you work off your fastball into your off speed. And if I'm a guy that's, you know, we have a guy like that on the mound tonight in Kikuchi um, that that struggles with with fastball control. And and you, you you watch that guy on the other side and you're like, man, like I guarantee you those hitters came back to the dugout saying, how did I miss that pitch? Every mm-hmm. at bat because he just he's he's that guy right now. He's a guy that had to adapt because um, he's not the same power pitcher that he once was. We, we've seen it with him. We saw it with CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia took like a couple seasons before he finally realized like, OK, I'm, I don't have 98 in the tank anymore. I got to learn how to pitch. Same with uh, Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. Sabathia, I will say this. Skinny CC was bad CC. Need to be big. <laughs> Big pitchers have long careers. That there, there, there's been some research into that. Guys that start big, you got to stay big. And when CC Sabathia, he really got healthy. I think he he had he quit drinking and stuff because he was he was going through a difficult time with alcohol. But put the weight back on, he was good to go right at the end. And it, it's really about that evolution of a pitcher. And I mean, not you know, there's only one Max Scherzer. People love to be like, well, about Nolan Ryan, he was doing this throwing complete yeah. games. It's like he's a freak. He happens once every 50 years. And mm-hmm. I think Max Scherzer might be the closest thing we've got to that now, where he's 38, yeah. still throwing 100, still throwing just three perfect pitches whenever he wants. There was, real quick aside on Max Scherzer, there was a great thing on Baseball Perspectives that Jeff Paternoster, who's been on the show a few times, he was scouting a double A double A game, and and Scherzer came and was doing a rehab start. So he did like a scouting report on what on Scherzer, and it was like he, he, the way he described it was so good. It was like he could he could dominate this lineup with one pitch. If they said only throw your fastball, he's like okay, and he would have been fine. But <laughs> because he's just yeah. he's just so good. But but like Wainwright, man, he's he. He had a couple rough years, you know, 20, 2017, 2018. But for the last like few years, he's been really good again. He's Solid. just like he's through two hundred innings last year. <laughs> you want to talk about a throwback? What's more of the throwback than that? Of course, we you know it's fun to watch guys like that. And again, it's hard to do. It's hard to keep your body, keep your motivation when you're forty years old. You've been playing for eighteen years, whatever it is. Um, but a real contrast between the guys that, the, you know, with him starting compared to the Ryan Helsey coming out of the bullpen. Oof. Oh, my God. Oh, Nasty. He, he is. So he's, he's not exactly young. I mean, he's 28. He's in, early in his career. But, like, he is everything that what baseball is in 2022. Because he throws 102, 103. He threw it less than half the time. Yeah. You know, and he's just the slider. And then he throws a curveball. It's even slower. Slider was 92 at one point yesterday. Uh, shout out to Vlad, who like looked so bad on a few swings and then still was managed, managed to be ready and hit really hard. 101. He grounded out. But like that's that can't be easy. But that's that's a real like whiplash going from kind of figure trying to figure out Wainwright all day to then this guy. You get uh, Giovanni Gallardo, uh, Gallardo, who's Gallardo, who's really good. Uh, and then and then you get Helsey coming in there just throwing absolute missiles like that. Yeah. Gallegos, and, Giovanni Gallegos, excuse me. Gallardo is my time, man. Yeah. The great Giovanni Gallardo. <laughs> Giovanni Gallardo. He was good. He was good for Milwaukee. He was the guy. Um, no, and I was going to say, you know what? Yeah, we do get caught up in velocity. There's velocity for certain, for certain roles. Obviously, the bullpen roles, mm-hmm. you have guys that are coming in, throwing hard and locating fine. But when you're a starter and you're throwing hard and you're only lasting three, four innings, what good does that do a team? So mm-hmm. um, that's that's where the the you know where I feel like velocity dif- difference difference, and uh, it's just better for me some a guy that can go out there and pitch and give you quality innings. And and if a guy is out there and, and he works quick, Wainwright works quick. He's boom. He's on the mound. Boom. Here you go. Here you go. Hit it. Like what's what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. A couple, two things. Number one is, you know, 
I think, I mean, you, you, your generation, geez, your generation, geez, I'm making it sound like you're, you're like a <laughs> grandfather, but you know, the, the, the idea, I think a lot of that sports psychology, like commit to every pitch and like almost every pitch is like max effort. It's not like you would hear about in the old days where these guys would be throwing like 80%, just trying to like get it over, get you to roll over. But efficiency always matters. You can commit and be, have every pitch be max effort and you know, you're committed to that pitch and it, you take that time and do whatever, but you still need to be efficient. And you know, that's everything that sounds like we're kind of talking about you say Kikuchi sort of like under our breath a little bit in this conversation because he's not that he's not a guy who who has been efficient he's not a guy who has been um who who is who's able to attack the strike zone be aggressive like again Wainwright doesn't throw hard but he doesn't shy away he's not trying to you know get you to chase everything out of the zone he he sets up he sets up that curveball with that cutter he sets up that cutter with that with that forcing or like where you said they go back to the dugout and they're like what the hell how did i yeah. miss that but yeah because it all works together and it's all um it's all kind of up there and well actually one thing two things again related to wainwright one thing was um buck martinez of course made his return to the ballpark this week which was which was graded greeted with great uh, love and appreciation from all Blue Jays fans. Everybody's glad to see Buck back in the booth. Um, but he had something. He noticed something with Wainwright that Wainwright was almost tipping his pitches a little bit using the using the pitch com because he was nodding twice. So it was like if he nods twice, it's like okay, yes, fastball and yes, location as opposed. And then when it was a curveball, he'd just say yes, and then he would just whatever throw it on the outside corner. I thought that was a really interesting observation, and I. I don't know that it, it's maybe something the Blue Jays didn't pick up on last night, but something to keep your eye on. Maybe, uh, maybe a, a little pitch com tell that's going on in real time. And that that's crazy, man. That that he can, right? Like who who would think to be looking for that? Like that that's mm -hmm. the difference between like a guy whose baseball knowledge is on another level. Like the and he was a manager, so he knows he's a catcher, so he knows to mm -hmm. look out for stuff like this, stuff like that, like. Who would have ever thought that you'd be getting picked by Pitchcom? Yeah. <laughs> Usually, it's like you're mm -hmm. tipping your glove, your your you know your catcher's giving away uh, location or signs. Mm -hmm. No, but Pitchcom, like the way he was nodding his head, I, like I would I I would never think to to look at that. But what an observation by Buck Martinez, and and so glad to have him back. And he's uh, he was missing, and I'm glad he's back and healthy, doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Also, there was another Joe Siddle had something on the broadcast, too, about uh, Danny Jansen, about the way yeah. Jansen was setting up wide. I mean, I, I, I look for that sometimes where it's like if it, what do they say? If the ass is high, right? If, 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 if your ass is up, it's going to be a fastball. The catcher's and if he's sitting down low, it's more likely to be a, a breaking ball. So we can kind of like get down and block it. But he was noticing about how wide. Jansen was getting uh, I mean we could talk real quick about Kevin Kevin Gossman again he he just hasn't really been as sharp recently and just really kind of struggled he he obviously pitched in the big 28 to 5 game and it wasn't great but he did the job because it was like a zero leverage situation but couldn't get out of the out of the fifth inning last night and uh just wasn't wasn't really getting the swings and misses I don't know I don't know if there's if it's a physical thing again or if we just need to kind of reestablish sort of his fastball. I don't know. Is there anything that sticks out to you from watching Gossman a bit? Yeah. You you have to wonder if that ankle is bothering him. If, mm -hmm. if it's not, if he's not back still to a hundred percent, obviously he's going out there trying to, trying to gut it out and, 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 and trying to give the team quality innings. And I was, I was a little bit surprised. They didn't, they didn't let him face pool holes yesterday. Again, I, I feel like um, the starter in me wants to finish what I started. You know, you don't want to leave those those uh, those runners on base uh, for a reliever to come in and and and, you know, and see what we saw what happened. And obviously you you you've, I, as a starter, you would feel better if Pujols took you deep and you're like, OK, he got me. And uh, uh, but it's tough to uh, I, I was pretty surprised that that, that he was pulled after uh, four and two thirds. I just again, you've grinded all game and I feel like, you know. In that spot, I feel like he he should have gotten a shot to get out of it. And uh, but yeah, I, I just have to wonder. Obviously, the sharpness hasn't been there, and you have to wonder if it's if it's the ankle still, if it's if it's bothering him a little bit, if he's going out there and trying to um, push himself a little bit. And and if he is, I mean, you just hope that he doesn't re-injure it or start compensating because that's what happens. You start compensating, your mechanics start suffering a little bit, and and your stuff and your and your stuff is not as sharp as 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 it's been in the past. Mm -hmm. I mean, his velocity was still good. So that's, you know, that's always the first place, you know, for me, I, that's the first place I go. Like, is he throwing as hard? But uh, hopefully, hopefully he's, uh, 
you could get that sorted out and sort of just continue to work through and and sort of what we've seen i mean a guy who's known predominantly as a as a two-pitch pitcher you know he it's always going to be a challenge it's always going to be tough to um to sort of keep things fresh and keep hitters guessing and and you know he didn't throw the slider quite as much um last night and yeah i, I that's an, you brought up an interesting point about letting him face pools cuz i mean with missing goldschmidt and arenado as they as the cardinals were uh is is Pujols like the guy you're the most afraid of in that lineup? Obviously, he took Trevor <laughs> Richards uh, uh, like a very long way to center field, but at the same time, he is you know 42 year old Albert Pujols. Um, if I if the guy, you know, no matter how bad he's going, I really I I like to think that I could get my big free agent pitcher guy, you know, the kind of ace of my staff. Can you get the 42 year old for me, please? Like that, I don't think that's I, I don't <laughs> feel like that's too big an ask. Yeah. Yeah. You, and you, you're, you hit it right on the money right there. You, you're paying this guy to get these guys out and to get you through at least five innings. And if I'm in that situation, I want the ball. And I felt like Gosman was a little bit shocked when he saw Schneider walking out. He kind of started looking around like, wait, what? And again, it's one of those things where Schneider felt like he had a better matchup. And again, if, if, if if it all goes well, we're like, wow, what a what a great move. But it mm-hmm. didn't. So obviously we we sit here and dissect it a little bit more. Um, and you know, you have to wonder what the role is gonna be going forward with, with Trevor Richards and a guy that's that's been, you know, killed by the long ball this season. And you look at a guy like David Phelps and how he's established himself as one of the go-to guys in that bullpen. I mean, you look at the numbers and what he's been able to do, he's been solid. You have to wonder a little bit why didn't we go to Phelps there instead of Richards? I know Richards had been pitching well, but he's still a guy that, you know, the long ball is his enemy right now. So a lot a lot of questions. Again, it's one game, but uh, I'm sure those guys will be ready to play this week, this week. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think Trevor Richards is a good opportunity for us to kind of transition this conversation a little bit towards the trade deadline. Uh, as you said, Trevor Richards, since he came off the DL, he he had been pitching quite well. He hit through seven consecutive scoreless uh, seven consecutive scoreless outings, struck out fifteen, walked two, didn't give up any runs. And then he kind of ran into a little bit of trouble in Boston. Uh, he gave up a triple uh, to um, to Duran. He gave up a home run. Uh, you know, but all in all. I mean, but not all, all that. Those are those are bad outcomes. And then now he's had another a bit of a rough outing against uh, against the Cardinals. He's the kind of guy that you obviously value and you want to have him uh, around. But at the same time, that's the sort of guy or the sort of position that you would think that you can upgrade. Um, and because you you know what you can get from him, but maybe you you need someone who is a little bit more reliable. And I mean, he came in and pitched in what the fifth inning. Um, so yeah. it's not like you're you're using him in high leverage, but he's just not been as reliable as you need this at this point. And that's those are the kind of guys you start to look around and be like, how can we improve? How can we just have somebody else who can slot above him? And if it's if Phelps is moving past him on the on the depth chart, again, the, just adding a few extra guys in there to give you more options so that you can really find situations where a Trevor Richards isn't going to kill you or b have Trevor Richards kind of improve and work up to a situation where he can be more reliable. Yeah. And, and, and trust me, no, nobody feels more worse than, than Trevor Richards. I'm sure he came up to, uh, to Gosman yesterday and, you know, and probably tapped them on the leg and said, am I bad? And, and sometimes this is the way the, the game goes. And 
those relievers don't want to go out there and give up runs. And but you know we're, we're talking about to trade deadline. There's a couple guys on the opposing dugout tonight that might might fit the the description in filling some voids in the in that Blue Jay bullpen. Uh, one of them was an all star lefty, throws hard. In in uh, Gregory Soto, um, you know he's a guy that 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 obviously has been his name has been out there and. You know, I've been pushing for Daniel Bard, another reliever who, who I feel like would fit the, the the this role really, really well. So there's there's a few names, and I know you're excited. I'm excited for this trade deadline. Obviously, the Yankees got it started last night with Benintendi and all that stuff, and I saw the Blue Jays were in it too. So you have to just sit here and wonder now, like what once once that first domino falls, it's like okay, now teams are gonna start kind of going and looking and seeing what is it that it's going to take to get certain guys. And I'm, I'm really, really interested to see what the Blue Jays do and what Atkins and Shapiro have in mind, because I feel like the whole fan base is on edge about what they're going to do with that bullpen. Uh, that is the move that needs to be made, frankly. You know, obviously start bolstering the starting pitch. Hey, maybe you can go to the go to the Tigers for a couple of things. Be like mm, Tarek Skubal, Joe Jimenez, Gregory Soto. Just start just shopping like you're at the grocery store. <laughs> just start throwing them in the cart and be like, what's it going to get back? Uh, the Andrew Benintendi move is an interesting one. Obviously, the Yankees. I, I really think Brian Cashman is a good general manager. I've said that many, many times for many, many years. And the one thing I really like about him, and he does this almost every year, is he doesn't wait. He's not worried about, oh, what if we overpay? And I don't want us to be the guy that establishes the market. And let's see what else is out there. Brian Cashman, Yankee general manager, knows this is what we need. This is what I want. And he goes out and he gets it. He makes those trades early. He did it. He's done it time and time again. And so they said, we need an upgrade in the outfield. We need to do get someone who does, who does the opposite of what Joey Gallo does, quite frankly. So they went and they got him. And the asking price, you know, three kind of lower level minor leaguers, guys who are pitchers uh, that the Yankees can, I saw somebody saying that basically the Yankees can just go sign all their day three of the draft guys and they've replaced all these guys. <laughs> and the other thing is also if you're making a deal with Kansas City, given the way that their play, pitching player development is gone, you just assume they're going to screw it up anyway. <laughs> so, so, but I really like, you know, I love that, that, that they don't wait, right? The Yankees aren't afraid yeah. of maybe quote unquote overpaying. They're like, this is what our club needs. We're trying to win the World Series. Let's go do it. And yeah. if this is the domino, this is the nudge that everybody needs. If people can look around and be like, okay, Ben Attendee, uh, he had a had expressed some willingness to to explore vaccination, um, given the fact that the Yankees. So the Yankees only have to come back to Toronto once more. So even if Ben Attendee decides he's going to take a hard line, that's three games out of the remaining what ninety or eighty five or however many are left. No, maybe more like seventy. Uh, so you can maybe get, get by with that and then figure out things out in the playoffs, but also just like be taking that initiative and going out and making those deals. And I think that, that the blue Jays have demonstrated a willingness to make deals, to do the things that need to be done, right? The, you know, unlike the Yankees, the blue Jays have made those big splashes. The Yankees haven't. The, there are a lot of Yankees fans who are wondering why Isaiah uh, Kinner Falefa is playing Kiner Kinner uh, playing shortstop every day instead of Carlos Correa instead of Corey Seager because the Yankees didn't make those big splashes. The Blue Jays have done that. They signed George Springer, right? They signed Marcus Simeon. They signed Hyunjin Ryu. Yeah. They they extended Jose Barrios. They they made the trade for Matt Chapman. Like they're doing the things that they need to do. They signed Kevin Gosman. So just I, I I know and I feel like Blue Jays fans are hoping that the, that they can see the Blue Jays continue to make that commitment to making the team better, and I think that they're they are in a position where they could make a small but significant upgrade in the bullpen where maybe the asking price isn't going to be that high. They can get the things that they need, like the things that Gregory Soto does, which is throw a hundred miles an hour and not have so much concern about where where it's going. Uh, sign a guy uh, like Jimenez or, or or Dan Bard, same sort of same sort of situation. You know, they did well last year with those low cost Adam Simbers and Trevor Richards, but now it's time they got to in the bullpen in particular. They got to really commit some more resources, I think, and make a bit of a bigger splash to to really get it in line with what we see in all the good bullpens around baseball. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's one of those things where. This is the time to upgrade, and, and you have to upgrade, especially if you want to take it to that next level. It's not like, hey, let's just get to the playoffs and let's see what happens. No, it's we have the team around us. We got to go out there and win. And and if 
we're looking in this clubhouse and I look at 25 guys. Are these the 25 guys that I can trust in the playoffs? And if your answer is no, then there's your answer. You have to go out there and and and, and maybe flip-flop some guys. And again, it's going to be an interesting market just because I feel like with the extra playoff spot, there's still a lot of teams in the playoff race that the reliever market is going to be at such a high demand that you you have to wonder what kind of moves, who's going to be willing to trade those guys are the prices going to be too high because there's going to be a lot of bidders or our team's going to be like, okay, uh, let, uh, let's, let's work out something here and there. It's just one of those things where I feel like pitching is going to be crazy, this trade deadline. And I wonder if some teams are going to have to overpay for certain guys, because again, there's, there's so many teams still kind of in the playoff uh, picture right now. And you have to sit here and wonder like, okay, what is it going to take to get a, you know, a Soto, how many teams are going to come asking for a Gregory Soto? How many teams are going to come asking for a Daniel Bard? And are we willing to meet that asking price? I say yes. You know, there's, there's, you know, we've talked about prospects and all that stuff. Not all of them planned out, not all of them. And mm-hmm. if you have to cut ties with some of them, then so be it. It's to help the big league team right now, to win right now, to get to the World Series right now, and to win a damn World Series right now. That's the goal, and that's all that should matter. And I think you 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 said it well, which is that you know when the players are looking around their clubhouse, they don't want to see any of their teammates yeah. moved. But I think that if you're shopping in the way that shopping, if you're if you're looking to upgrade in the way the Blue Jays are, you don't you don't have to take anybody away from that room. And and what what was the line that uh, that Blake Snell had on his stream the other day? Like some slapdick prospect. Like I feel like the the <laughs> players can you know can can get behind that a little bit. I mean, it might maybe somebody else isn't going to be in that room because they're going to be down in Buffalo, but. You know, it's it's not difficult to look around and be like, if we had this guy sitting over there, we'd be in a good position. And they're not. It's yeah. not. You know, the Juan Soto thing is 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 a nice to dream on, but I don't think the Blue Jays have like a Nolan Gorman to make a deal with, or a Dylan Carlson, or whoever these, the or Brendan Donovan. Jesus, there's just so many of them. <laughs> Stupid. Let, 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 let me ask you one thing, Drew. Does does Gabriel Moreno being the number one prospect now? Does that like in a trade? Does like is his is his stock higher than a guy who's ranked number five? Like, does that change anything? I don't think so. I don't think those like ordinal rankings are going to affect it. Like, G- Gabby Moreno made that made that step up right last year just by with his play and and you know he was hurt, but then he was just playing so well. And then he continued to play well. He's showing in my mind he's showing that that that, that stuff is real. So they can look at him and they can say he's got this tool, that tool, this tool, this tool. Whether Baseball America ranks him one or three, I don't think it makes it that much of a difference. It makes it, okay. it makes it when when people start like we when you and I are sitting here after the fact, being like, I can't believe they traded their number one, number six, and number ten prospect. But <laughs> you know the the Blue Jays number one prospect versus like the Padres number one po- prospect versus the you know the White Sox number one prospect. Like they're not all you know not all one, number one prospects are created the same. Now it's great to have him be the number one prospect in baseball. That's hard to do, and the Blue Jays that hasn't happened very often. There, you know there was Vlad, but before him it was like what Carlos Delgado I think was the last guy who was like the top prospect in baseball. You know Travis Snyder was like pretty high up there on some of those lists and things like that. You know because of his age, and I think we evaluate things a little bit differently. You know over time, but I think that. That he got to the big leagues that he didn't look out of place, right? He didn't hit a lot in his little cup of coffee, but I think that is only going to make him that much more valuable as much as where, where baseball America slots him in compared to baseball perspectives. Compared, I mean, baseball America is the one that has like the most cachet, but I think just that he's continued to perform. It doesn't look like a fluke. He's super athletic. He looked the part in the big leagues. To me, that's the thing that's going to make him have a lot of, a lot of value when people are shopping around but it's not quite the same as like these guys in on, on st louis who are like playing every day and succeeding even still at the big leagues um and and can just step right in and play just like moreno can as well yeah no that, that that's interesting i just wondered yeah if him being the number one prospect if if it means he's worth more in a deal or anything like that and mm. again you have to wonder if they're gonna you know what's gonna happen there with three catchers and you know and Kirk and Jansen and Moreno if is mm-hmm. one of them going to be dealt for a, for a big time player, you know, for a guy like Juan Soto or or something like that, are they going to enter, you know, I guess you'd be dumb not to enter those uh those talks and see what it would take just just to see. But again, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to arms and having, 
um, you, it's, it's the biggest cliche in baseball. And everyone says that you can never have enough arms, uh, especially when you're, when you're getting ready to, to enter the playoffs and, and hopefully make a deep run. Um, that's where the depth is tested incredibly big. And, and I feel like, yeah, that's, we could talk Juan Soto all we want, but the biggest necessity for the, for the Jays is obviously going to be pitching. And if they go out there and do that, then they're going to be just fine. The other, let me. I'll ask you then. This is something Caitlin and I talked about a little bit on uh, on the Monday or sorry Tuesday show, which was there's been a lot of research into starting starting pitchers in the playoffs have a their value goes through the roof because they're able to impact the games that much better. And not only can you get a great performance out of a starter who can win you a game, and you only need to win four, and then you move on to the next one. But I think what we've seen in uh, in recent history, the Dodgers you know, I've done a great job of this and the Red Sox when they won the world series too, which is suddenly some of your best relievers are your starters where you can bring <laughs> a guy in to be a starter with the idea or the intention that we let's, we can use him in the bullpen in the playoffs when every single game matters so much more. And it's not so much about like spacing things out and kind of getting through August and September. Do you think maybe there's value in, in a, in the blue Jays going after somebody who could kind of be a starter for now with the idea that you can move them to the bullpen in the in the in the playoffs. Ooh, that's a, that's that's a good one. Um is there anybody out there that you know that that would be able to make that switch just like that in the playoffs? Here's my my suggestion and it's Native Aldi, right? Native Aldi who did the, that exact job with Boston. Now Boston is obviously in real turmoil right now. I don't know necessarily that they would trade him to the Blue Jays. I don't know the Blue Jays would, you know, he's, he's not exactly pitching well, but he's the kind of guy who I, who, who did that job. He's pitched out of the bullpen um, a few times in his career while also, you know, when you get the most value out of him when you sign him long-term as a starter. But if you're trying to win the world series, we can get you like pitch as well as you can. And if you, if he pitches really well, then he stays in the rotation. And if he doesn't pitch as well, then you can then you can be like, okay, well, you're going to come in, you're going to throw 98 out of the bullpen, you're going to do it, you're going to throw two innings in game two, and then you're going to throw three innings in game four. I, I think that a guy like that could, it, 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 like what Robbie Ray did when we saw the, saw the Blue Jays in that three game series against the Rays. Yeah. I think that that a guy like him, not necessarily him specifically, but there are other guys I think out there that could do that, right? That you could, you could get them there. I mean, goddamn, Chris Sale got the last out of the World Series. He, you know, he was, he was a reliever for a little while, but, but that's not, he got them to the World Series and then he saved it for them. So I yeah. think, I think that that a guy that could, you could, that can kind of do both is someone who, if, if I had, to, if I had my choice, maybe that's where I'm going to spend my time looking for somebody who could maybe do both of those jobs. That's an interesting point because you're right. A lot you see a lot of that, especially in the playoffs, and the guys who who are able to do that are like guys who who carry their teams into the deep into the playoffs. And I I, I I'd be curious to see what other names are out there that that can do that kind of job because it's not easy to be able to just go flip flop flip flop back and forth back and forth. But I know the playoffs obviously is a different beast, and I'm sure there's a different adrenaline rush. And when you're getting your call, <laughs> the call from the bullpen and you're saying, "All right, let's go, get me." Give me 12 outs, big boy, you know, whatever it is and stuff like that. Um, again, it'll be interesting, you know, because if the playoffs started today, you know, wh- who would be your your top three starters? You have to sit there and wonder. Obviously, Manoa's got to be one of them. And then, I don't know, the way Gosman's going, obviously, he's he's probably the, the, the second one. And then the third one is Barrios, right? I mean, it's got to be and it's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those things where you. You sit there. I guess you know Ross Stripling. I mean, they have a guy in Ross Stripling who can do both. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in the in the subject that we were just talking about, he's a guy that can flip up from starter to reliever. And obviously, he's not a guy that that is going to throw a hundred or anything like that. But he, the guy, still gets it up there to ninety four, ninety five, and he's a guy that that can handle that type of job. He's effective and he's efficient. So in the playoffs, he's a guy that maybe you could ask to do what, as I said, pitch pitch game two and then pitch again in game four, like almost scripted out. Like if we get in trouble, we'll get somebody else in there and then we're going to give you the sixth, sixth and seventh are going to be yours. That sort of thing. Um, Here's another name that Stoughton uh, wrote about in his, the bat flip newsletter. And it's Noah Syndergaard. He could be that exact guy, right? Syndergaard's only been okay this year. Obviously the angels are in a position where they need to figure out some things. Uh, he's all, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So maybe Syndergaard, you bring him in, see if you can get him within that Blue Jays, you know, really solid pitching ecosystem. If he can be a starter, awesome. If not, suddenly there's Thor throwing a hundred out of the bullpen. Everybody wins. I, I, I'm, I'm very much coming around on the idea of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, it's one of the, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. Uh, again, it, it, everything, all these like question marks is what makes it, makes these conversations fun. Mm-hmm. And you have to, and you sit here and you wonder and you're like, okay, it, for us, it's easy to like play GM and see like, this is how we would do this, how we would do it. And, and that's why I'm excited for, for the deadline and, and, and seeing what, what is it that the upgrades that the, that Jay's make and, and if they, you know, if they stay put, you know, I, I, I just, can you imagine if they say put the, <laughs> well, how this fan base would take that? What about the fan base? What about the guys in the clubhouse? Now, this is something that yeah. the Blue Jays fans are sort of familiar with. What was that? 20, that wasn't 2014, was it? No, 2011, right? With the yeah. Irvin Santana past the hat thing where uh, <laughs> yeah. you, nobody, you, get, you can't see this if you're listening to it, but Ricky just had like a full on eye roll right there. yeah that was that was like really really weird i i still remember that that was really weird and uh yeah what a what a what a weird turn of events there (laughs) but because i I mean i think that that this team can win the world series i like i don't i don't think i'm telling tales out of school by saying that the team with the number two or three offense depending on how you look at it and with a lot of potential and with some very high-end pitchers, like they can win the World Series, but they do need to improve. They need to upgrade it when they can. So if you are telling Vlad and Bo and whoever else that, well, maybe we'll wait till next year, that's going to be a little tough to swallow, I think, for some of those guys. For the for the George Springers who were like, I took, you know, I came here for a reason and I came here to win. And now where you're kind of kicking the can down the road, I'm not getting any younger, so on and so forth. I think that would be a tough sell in the clubhouse as well. Yeah, it would be 100%. And you want to send the right message to those guys, those guys that have been grinding their ass off all season for you. You know, you watch a guy like George Springer, who's been banged up here and there during the during the season, and he's going out there and he's playing, you know, his ass off. Vladdy, same thing. Bo, same thing. To Oscar, same thing. These guys are going out there, you know, and, and doing their thing. So you want, to, you want to send the right message. You want to kind of, you know, kind of lay down the authority and say, okay, we're here, you know. We're here. These are the guys we're adding. We're moving forward with these guys, and we're, we're in it to win it. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of being in it to win it, so maybe maybe that upgrade, the bullpen slash rotation upgrade, is waiting in the wings. You say Kikuchi, who goes for the Blue Jays tonight, returning from the from the disabled from the injured list. Excuse me, uh, f- after his very mysterious neck strain. Uh, which was obviously not a neck strain. It was like an opportunity to go and work on some things. Uh, again, Stoughton <laughs> in his in his newsletter recently had some highlights of that Arash Madani was talking about some of the stuff uh, that the Kikuchi was working on. Changes throwing program. He's using weighted balls. Changes slider grip. Tweaking his mechanics so he feels more in uh, in control. He's uh, you know looking at starts, reeling his release point is, was kind of all over the place, trying to stabilize that. So like. This is not just like these are significant things to be working on in season with after, you know, with two weeks effectively away from the team. But 
there's so much there. You, you and I have talked about it a hundred times about a guy who just has such a great fastball and he can do when he pitches off of it, he's such an effective guy, such an effective starter who could also be that same sort of guy who could move into the bullpen. Uh, what are you looking for tonight when you, when Kikuchi uh, takes the mound against the, a very bad offensive team in the Detroit Tigers? Fastball command. I, I think you and I will both agree on that. It's his fastball command. Can he get that down? I don't care about his, him, uh, you know, tightening up his slider or, you know, I'm doing this to make it look less like a slider or a cutter or whatever he's trying to do. Fastball command. If he's able to command the plate, again, we all know he has the velocity. We all know he throws hard. Is what can he do when it comes down to, you know, dotting a fastball down on the way, brushing a guy back, getting that uh, uh, outer half again. And it'll be interesting for me, Drew, to see Danny Jansen, the way he approaches this, because he hasn't caught him in a while. And... um. Having a veteran back there in Danny, I don't know. I'm guessing he's going to catch him. Um, I don't know if the lineup is out yet, but uh, I'd be surprised if he isn't. He's he's do, the guy that you would, if, if you're trying to shepherd somebody through these changes, you know, okay. Alejandro Kirk, you know, he he's such a good receiver. So if maybe you, you need to steal some strikes, but the Kikuchi thing is like, they're not borderline pitches, right? They're here, there, yeah. and everywhere. You need somebody who can jump <laughs> to keep them going to the backstop. So maybe Jansen is the right guy. Yeah, uh, but I think that fastball command. Uh, I agree, one hundred percent. Fastball command is so it's it's big for everybody. And when you see, you even saw Jose uh, Barrios the other night when his when he can't control his fat when he hasn't doesn't have that fastball command, he gets hit. And yeah. it doesn't matter how you get the most beautiful curveball in the world, but if your fastball isn't isn't going where you need it to go, it's going to get hit in the big leagues. Yeah, and 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 that's that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to body language too. You know how he reacts to certain things. It's okay to give up base hit. It's okay to give up a run. If you give up a run or two runs early on, hey, let, jump on my back. I'm 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 still gonna get you through six, you know, or seven. You know, a, a a pitcher's line looks pretty pretty good when it's seven innings, two runs, seven innings, three runs, and you gave the team a chance to win. That's what I want to see out of Kikuchi tonight. In 2022, if your if your pitching line starts with seven IP, it automatically looks good. <laughs> Like, cause you will, you only are getting there if you're pitching well. And, and yeah. if you give up three runs, four runs, but you're managing it. If, you know, if you say Kikuchi throw, pitches seven innings, gives up four solo home runs, but walks one to me, I'm happy. Oh, I can, I can work win. with that all day long. Just throw strikes. Yeah. Throw it over the middle of the yeah. fucking plate. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and the thing is that the way, the reason I said Jansen, it's nothing against Kirk. Jansen, again, a veteran guy. A guy that I can feel like can 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 grab Kikuchi and say, "Hey, me and you tonight. Let's follow me. Follow me. Don't shake me. Follow me. I'll lead you. Let's just navigate through this lineup. You know, three times if we have to, uh, three times through. And I feel like Danny has that power to be able to do that and say, "Okay, I'm gonna put down a fastball away. Trust me. Trust it. And uh, again, I had I had those catchers that would do that to me every once in a while when I was struggling. Don't shake me tonight. Just trust me. I got the game plan down. I don't want you thinking so much out there because I feel like that's what's happened with, with Kikuchi. He he thinks so much. He's he's trying to figure it all out rather than, okay, now I have my catcher that knows the game plan. I'm just going to go off of him. Boom, let's go. Boom, set the tempo early. If I'm able to set that tempo, then I've established myself with a good fastball command, and now I'm just cruising along the game. And, and I feel like if he does that, he's going to be just fine. This is, I think, I don't know if maybe commend the Blue Jays is a bit of a, of a bit of a strong term, but they've artfully selected the place for Kikuchi to start because he is starting against Detroit, who are just a dreadful, dreadful all <laughs> offensive team. <laughs> they are last in the big leagues in home runs. Their batting line, they as a team are hitting. Uh, 229, 286, 335. The Tigers as an entire team are slugging 335. Now, of course, this is the big leagues. These are big league hitters. These are guys that can all do damage. But when your entire team is basically like poor Tony Kemp, who's having a bit of an off year, like you're, you're, you're giving Tony Kemp vibes. That's not a good sign. So if ever there was a time for Yusei Kikuchi to come in and be aggressive, 
Dare them to beat you, beat your fastball. Dare them to hit it over the fence. They have not demonstrated the ability to do that. They've got, yeah. again, good professional, good hitters in that mix. Robbie Grossman is, uh, has a great track record as a good hitter. Jonathan, Jonathan Scope is a good hitter. One of the worst hitters in baseball this year. Challenge them. No need to nibble. Cut that plate in half and say, this one's going to that half and this one's going to the other one. No need to get cute. Just inside, got, outside, up and down. I got seven, seven guys behind me. I'm going to use them all. That's my thought process. Here you go. Again, it's easier said than done. It depends what's going in between in between the ears. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he's done the work. He's put in the work. He feels like he's in a good place mentally that it's now it's just, okay, I've done the hard work. Now I just got to go out there and execute. And if I, I'm able to do that, I got seven guys behind me that can all make plays. I'm going to use them tonight. Who cares if I give up 10 hard line drives at the infield? Who cares? They're outs. And if I get out, that's all that matters right now for him. Absolutely. I, I, I would much rather see, you know, the fewer walks. This, a guy like Kikuchi with his stuff, the strikeouts will come. Maybe that's not the measure of success tonight. Again, I, I'm, for me, I want to see if, if I'm the pitching coach, which I'm not, I would love, I want to see efficiency. Be efficient. Get ahead. Yep. Be aggressive. Then all the rest of that stuff will take care of itself. If you're, if you're ahead 1 2, 0 oh, 2 on, on hitters who are really struggling this year, they're going to help you get themselves out. You can throw that slider whenever you want when you're up up in the count, but don't be mm-hmm. don't be in, in hitters counts. Don't be letting them just completely spit on any of those pitches. Zone in on the fastball. Zone in in one spot. It is absolutely what you cannot have against a team like this. So really want to see Kikuchi come out and be aggressive and uh, and have a good starting for his own sake, for the team's sake, and for the fans' sake as well. It's uh it all it all works. You're right. I mean, for his sake, for the fans' sake, for the team's sake. And at the end of the day, he's still a key part in this rotation. They just didn't hand the money just to hand the money. They they believe in this guy and they believe that he's got the stuff to compete in the big leagues. He was an all-star, all that good stuff. We've said it a million times. He's got the stuff. Now he's got to go out there and execute it. And I love I, I love that word that you use, efficiency. Be efficient out there and and just go out there and trust your stuff and and let it play out. Um trust that fastball and everything will work off of that fastball. And if you're able to be successful with that, with that heater. I guarantee you your secondary stuff is just going to be just as good. Can't throw seven innings if you're at 80 pitches getting 12 or 13 outs, right? You need, need exactly. that efficiency. you got to stretch it out. Now, maybe talking about pulling him aside, having that conversation, uh, Yusei Kikuchi has not yet started under John Schneider, who is, of course, the manager of the Blue Jays. Now, not when Kikuchi went on the injured list with his phantom neck wound, a former catcher, a guy who's who's kind of, uh, as we understand it, kind of pulls the team together before the game and gives them a, just a, has a little couple little lines to them. What what do you think that a guy like, well, n- number one, what do you think of Schneider so far? What have you seen? Does anything look different? And what kind of stuff do you think he would say to a Kikuchi on a night like this? Uh, crazy you brought up that point because I feel like Schneider is the type of guy, and he did it with me a lot, put his arm around you and say, trust your fastball. That's what he would say. Trust your fastball. Work with me tonight. When he when I was struggling, he was catching me. Work with me tonight. Don't shake me. That, he'd call me Rook. And that's what we <laughs> call each other, Rook. Uh, even t- till this day, every time I walk into his office or I see him, hey, what's up, Rook? That's that's uh, that's our nickname to each other. But um, that's that's what he would do. Put his arm around you. And, and one of the things I've seen uh, that's different to me, Drew, and I just watching the games on TV is the way he's interacted with his players. He's gone up to guys, put their arms around him. We saw it with Vladdy yesterday when he tagged up from second to third base and he got thrown out. He went up to him. There's nothing to, to you know, sometimes uh, you sit there and wonder, you're like, oh, well, you can't, the, you're, you can't let your super, you just leave your superstar alone. No, he went right to him, put his arm around him, explained to him the situation, I'm sure. And there was that. We saw it with Manoa when he uh, <laughs> was going at the, at the Red Sox uh, bench the other day, and he went, sat down next to him, put his arm around him, and and, and they had a conversation. And I, I I love that man. And that's one thing that I feel like we didn't see with 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 Charlie. And it just seems like Schneider has like this deeper connection with his players from what I'm seeing on TV. And it just seems like to me the the dugout seems a little bit loose. He's out there, you know, warming up his arm, throwing batting practice. He's so involved in everything that he hasn't let. You know him being a manager, get in between of the routine that he's used to, and I love that. And again, he's a guy that 
I'm going to continue to root for. He was a former teammate of mine and a guy that is a hard worker, has paid his dues. And I feel like the the 25 guys, along with the coaches, have tremendous respect for him. And and you can just see it. You can just see the difference in the in 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 everything. You just see a different team, a different vibe, and you know, credit to him for for being able to step in because it's not easy to just be a big league manager and just come in and say, okay, this is the way stuff is going to get done. No, it's you, you're seeing it. You saw the All Star Game videos and stuff like that. The way he he made these guys feel like when they were announced All Stars in Espinal and Romano and um, all that good stuff. Just little things like that that I feel like this team is going to go cr- grow closer and closer. And he's 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 it almost seems like he's starting to build that culture in there where hey, we're we're going to be a team. We're going to communicate, and and if something needs to be said, uh, I feel like the 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 guys on that in that clubhouse have that respect for him. As the first ever Blue Jays manager who is younger than me, I don't know what to think. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, and it, I mean, there's only so many levers he could pull. They're still, they're still the Blue Jays. They're scoring lots of runs because they have a good offense. This is what we, I think this, those small things, those conversations, that trust, that looseness, that ability to, um, convey to the players what they need to know and, 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 but also, you know, get them excited about doing their work and kind of like, you know, even if it was just the act of, of, of changing managers can kind of brought that along. But, you know, there's, they're, they're a good offense because they were always a good offense. They scored a ton of runs because that's how they're going to be. I, I would love to be able to credit John Schneider for being the, the kind of guy who, who made that change. But we've seen a few things, you know, a few hit and runs here and there. He hit and run yeah. with Vlad last night, uh, hit and, hit and run with, um, with Santiago Espinal and, and Matt Chapman a few different times. So that, that's always nice to see. And, and I, that, that conversation between Schneider and Vlad would be an interesting one because I, look, I'm a sucker for, aggressive base running to the point of, of course like reckless, of course reckless like run like a maniac that's that i'm all in for that nobody nobody was a better base runner in my mind than jose bautista just a complete lunatic out there give me all the extra bases you got make them make a play <laughs> that's that's my philosophy it's the big yeah. leagues everybody can throw everybody can catch but still make them make a play so being able to have those conversations with Bo, with vlad guys who are aggressive on the base paths and uh, and and you know, be you, do you? I think that's that's kind of what that for me. What I would love to have, know the, con- the 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 substance of that conversation. Be you, be aggressive, go out there and make plays. But let's be a little, have a little bit of awareness. We, we don't want to make third, think that's, third base. Yeah, and I think that's what it was. It was more like, hey, I love the aggressiveness, but let's let's know the situation there. Let's know who who's up. Maybe it was just a little reminder, or maybe it was like, hey, what did you see? You know, maybe it was something like, what did you mm. see? What did you think? Maybe it was something like that. You know, it was maybe it wasn't him getting on him over it. Maybe it's like, hey, what did you see? Okay, cool. You know, let's just be, you know, make sure we're 100% next time. Because you even saw Big Daddy, Big Al, you know, get on get, get on Vladdy too about it. And <laughs> just have a conversation about it. And it's just, you know, part of the game. Again, yeah, you, you can't really um, fault somebody for being aggressive. It's just more knowing the situation and knowing and being 100% that you're going to get, you know, to that next space without being thrown out or anything like that. Or make, again, it's two outs, know the situation, bow, a guy who can, you know, make contact at any point. You, you're going to score from second base anyway. So it's one of those things where, yeah, again, John Schneider has created that culture in the little time that he's been manager and where he's able to have those communication, uh, that type of communication with guys and able to go up to his superstars and maybe say, hey, like, what are we thinking or what are we doing here? And you see the smiles on those guys after or whatever and, and or the smirks and and stuff like that. So again, it's nothing personal. It's just more, hey, we're here to win ball games. Let's 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 play the game right. Let's I love the aggressiveness, but let's make sure we're playing smart. He uh I'm glad you brought up uh John uh Albert Pujol, who of course got like some really nice ovation from Blue Jays fans twice. The first one, he seemed genuinely surprised and touched. Yeah by uh obviously albert Wills is like very truthfully one of the greatest players to ever play the game um and it's really fun to see him in that sort of role you see him when they show shots of that uh that blue jays uh or the the cardinals dugout he seems to take that role seriously um it's it's really fun that he's back in that in that capacity right where he's back in st louis where it all started where he's 
getting to play he's been good this year you know better than he had been in previous years uh a lot of fun i don't know what, what you think or, or if you have any what kind of interactions you've ever had with Albert Pujols, but it seems like oh. someone who's just respected you know across the board in the game obviously for being one of the best players ever yeah no i've had a lot of interactions i've actually played in his golf tournament when he was back in anaheim and you know we exchanged text messages from time to time he's a guy that's always donated you know, a signed bat or a signed jersey to my camp when I when I host one back in East LA. So he's a first class human being, and he's a guy that you're just like in in awe every time you're in his presence, you know, or I'm in his presence because you realize everything he's done for the game. And holy smokes, Drew, 686 home runs. I didn't realize he was that close to 700. And it's mm-hmm. almost like you, you you. I saw Edwin Encarnacion yesterday on Instagram uh, along along. Uh, an old school name that I'm going to drop on you, Octavio Dotel, commenting on uh, Edwin's post saying, please, Cardinals, let this guy play so that he can reach 700. And I it kind of, I sat there thinking about it and I was like, I wonder if they're going to play him a little bit more the second half to see if he does get, you know, to 700 or does Albert Pujols, you know, what if he's at 695 by the end of the year does he maybe try and come back and try and hit five more home runs and 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 I mean it's it's a big deal and again a guy that's done so much for this game the interview with Hazel May that he had a couple days ago was amazing um talk you know he talked about his that interaction between him and Santiago Espinal and mm-hmm. you know what he tries to do for the younger guys all that stuff and it, it just shows you the, the the human being that he is the stuff that he does behind closed doors with with all his foundations and stuff like that again a guy that you just continue to root for i almost feel like once he hit that three run home run it was like everyone was like it's Albert Pujols it's okay <laughs> yeah it's it's it, i i i mean most fans, you don't know. You, you buy your tickets months ahead of time. You know, folks come in from out of town. You go do whatever. And but if you if you came to the game and you obviously want to see if you're a Blue Jays fan, you want to see the Blue Jays win. But if you get to see Albert Pujols hit a home run, that's the kind of thing that you're probably going to remember. You can hopefully take away take take it away. And I think it would be great if Pujols was able to get 700. But again, this is a guy who's got like. 100 wins above replacement for his career. He's got his 3,000 hits. He's he's coming up on 1,900 runs scored. Got 2,100 RBIs. You know, just uh, you know, truly one of the great players. So I don't think that missing out on 700 home runs is going to be like a blemish on his record. Also, four no. of those hits, four hits, and four at bats against Ricky Romero. Did he four for four? <laughs> one double. No, no home runs. Four hits, three singles. Wow. Damn. Oh, you know what? I think he hit a broken bat double off the wall in oh, yeah. uh, at at the Rogers Center. Where they they were all at home, right? Yeah, it was one game. It was the, it was before he went to Anaheim 2010, June 23rd. Uh it was a one what a game. My gosh, one nothing. Did I win or did I lose? You lost. No, you uh, Kevin Gregg, you you threw eight shutout innings, gave up eight hits, struck out five, walked one. Uh, but then they were able to get one off Kevin Gregg. Chris Carpenter on the other side, uh, matched you pitch for pitch. He walked a couple he more, did. but didn't uh, didn't give up quite as many hits. Vernon wow, Wells had two I, hits that day. John Buck had one. Jared, oh my God, who played third base? Do you, <laughs> do you, do you, will you be able to remember who played third base for the Blue Jays? That, I, I'll, well, I'll tell I think, you everybody else. Go, do I you have it? No, I think I heard that is it Jarrett Hoffpower? It is. <laughs> it is. That's wild. I I don't even I didn't even know that I knew that name. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, I remember that game. Now that you bring it up, I re- I had forgotten about that game because I, the, the St. Louis Cardinals game that I remember is obviously the game in St. Louis where I threw a complete game, mm-hmm. got a, a my my base hit and all that good stuff. But I don't think uh Yadier Molina or Pujols were in the lineup that day. I think they they took the day off because it was a Sunday game, but uh, wow, yeah, I forgot they came down here and and I did well against them. And I do remember now Pujols. I couldn't get him out. He was still the machine, and he was still the guy that was tough to get out at that time. And I think a- I threw him, threw him everything, and I couldn't get him out. And <laughs> um, but hey, if I'm if I'm in his book for hey for four hits out of the how many does he have over three thousand? Mm-hmm. Then I'm all good, man. <laughs> as long as he didn't beat me, that was good. Yeah, didn't take you deep. Didn't didn't get you. He's got three thousand three hundred forty hits, which is just insane to say out loud. 
Uh, Yadi Molina was in the, <laughs> the lineup that day. Colby Rasmus at, at that game at the Rogers Ooh. Center before he became a Blue Jay. Randy Wynn. Randy David Wynn. Freeze, World Series hero that year. Uh, no, no, the following year, World Series hero. Was it that year? No, wow. that 2010, 2010 was the Giants. Uh, Matt Holiday, of course, whose son was drafted first overall. How does that make you feel? Hey, Matt Holiday, I, I feel like my numbers against Matt Holiday are pretty good. I feel like I dominated him throughout my career. All right, I can look this up. We do need to get going. We gotta, we gotta get out of here. It has been a great opportunity to chat with you, Matt Holiday. Was two for ten against you, two strikeouts, okay. no walks, no extra base hits. You got him. You got him good. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> that changeup working all day against those right-handed batters. Always, always. <laughs> Ricky, it's great to chat. Blue Jays looking ahead to this series against the Tigers, and then into a little bit more of. The divisional stuff, I believe they go off to face uh, Tampa Bay next week, do they not? So that'll be interesting. But it's great to talk to you. Of course, you can listen Always. to Ricky on MLB Radio on the weekends. Is that correct still? Yep, correct. Awesome. Correct. correct. MLB Radio, dial Ricky up on the weekend. We'll be back next week with more me and Ricky, more me and Caitlin on the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast, which is, of course, called Spinner.